us down to the last comic shop in five, four, three, two, one. Live from the Beatles recording session of Rapper Soul, it is the last comic shop. I think we'll do that again. <laughs> are, are we are we in stereo or just mono? Mm. Well, which one's better, J.A.? If you're going to listen to Rubber Soul, you got to listen to the mono recording. Everyone knows right. that. When they uh, mixed it, they mixed it in mono, and then they gave yeah. the stereo mixing over to like some flunky in the studio. <laughs> But what about the new yeah. ones? Didn't Giles Martin's son come back and re-record? He did, yeah, but I don't think they've done Rubber Soul yet. But the Giles Martin Sgt. Peppers is well worth the listen. Oh, oh yeah, and all the extras. Oh, my too. God. Mm. Well, and, and one other thing that's worth a listen is this week's episode. We are not a music podcast, but we've got the musical chops to talk <laughs> a little bit. and. I am the host with the most, Andy Larson. I'm joined by Chad Smith, J.A. Scott, and the wonderful Mikey Wood for another week. And if you're wondering why we were talking about the Beatles, it's because this week's comic book shares a title with one of their uh, songs. It's not my favorite song. Like, my favorite song is Day in the Life, followed by Paperback Writer. Paperback Writer! It's a great song. Paperback Writer. Yeah, Man. great song. See, I like the later stuff. I like whatever things yeah. going crazy. Yeah, it's I've Got a Feeling from the Oh, very stuff. bluesy. Yeah, very bluesy. Yeah. yeah. What about you, J.A.? Favorite Beatles song? Probably say uh, something. I see what you did Abbey Road. <laughs> cool. George Harrison does have some of the better songs. And uh, again, Gabriel Ba and Fabian Moon put out some of the better comic books. And that's who did Day Tripper. We didn't let Mikey go with his Beatles stuff. Oh, Mikey, we did it. Mikey, right. what's your favorite Beatles song? My favorite Beatles song is Across the Universe. Did you I say the song. entire B-side of Abbey Road? Because that's also an acceptable choice. That's right. That's right. Yeah, actually, it probably has something to do with uh, childhood or something. But I love that song. So much. Another, she came in through the bathroom window. Also great. Yes. Yeah. That's Abbey Road B-side, baby. That, that's also the way my relationship with a 20-something-year-old bartender was, too. <laughs> she also came through the bathroom window? She did. Oh, yeah! She did. She left that way, too. But uh, All right. Well, we could talk about the Beatles for a really, really long time, but we are a comic book podcast, and that's what we're here to do. And we're here to talk about Day Tripper. And in the book Day Tripper, oftentimes people get hit by buses, they drown, uh, they have heart attacks. They have a lot of moments that happen to this uh, main character of Day Tripper. And we thought on today's program, instead of talking about Beatles songs, we would go through some of those moments in our comic book lives when we got hit by trucks, uh, metaphorically. Like, you know, whether it was that first issue that we picked up and went, wow, I'm going to collect comics. Or that other issue that we picked up and goes, wow, I'm going to sell all my comics. <laughs> so we're going to go ahead around and we're going to talk about that first issue. It's not the one that we particularly read, but the one that made us want to collect and say, yeah, I'm going to get comic books every month doesn't matter. I'm going to get these books. We're going to start off with J.A. Scott. So, J.A., what was that book for you? Uh, for me, it was Silver Surfer Volume 3, Number 14, which had this great Mike Mignola cover of two Silver Surfers fighting each other. It was uh, a story by Steve Englehart with pencils by Joe Statton, and it was essentially Silver Surfer and a clone of Silver Surfer fighting each other for an issue. Yeah, and awesome. I just loved it. I loved it. And uh, I ended up buying as much Silver Surfer as I could find after that. Um, yeah, I, I do remember the day, actually, that you got that Silver Surfer comic. And you were quite enamored with that Silver Surfer fella. Uh, we'll go to Chad next. What was your moment? You got hit by that comic book truck. So for me, it was the, the Batman movie. <laughs> In 1989, and from there, I was picking up the Alan Grant, uh, Norm Brayfogle, Batman. They were, like, basically done-in-one issues where he's fighting street toughs. Those were great, and at the same time, all the Spider-Man books were on fire. You had uh, Todd McFarlane leading into Eric Larson on Amazing. You had Web of Spider-Man with uh, the Green Goblin and the Molten Man teaming up with Spidey. And then you had Spectacular Spider-Man. It was when he had the cosmic power, and he was beating up on Pastepot Pete. <laughs> <laughs> and all those other guys, all that was just 
like it just kept me going back to uh, uh, the drugstore by my grandma's house to pick up more and more books. Oh, there you go, Mikey. Comics for me, like I, I had read comics since I was a little kid. My grandfather and his brother, my great uncle, they owned um, a newsstand in Newark, New Jersey, and I would help out sometimes in the summer when I was a little kid. So I, I you know, I read Archie's and and you know things like that. But uh, and then like like a lot of guys my age, it was like the GI Joe and Transformers, like because they had a cartoon and toys and animated commercials that told you to buy the comics, and the comics were available everywhere, so you got them. And you know, mom went grocery shopping, grabbed you a copy of GI or whatever. For me, it wasn't so much a particular comic, but the year 1986, um, I was 13, and uh, we lived uh, within a bike ride from a place called Passaic Book Center in New Jersey. And Passaic Book Center had a tremendous uh, comic book section, and they had a guy there that would push stuff on you. It was Man of Steel and Wonder Woman's first issue, and like Crisis had ended a, a, a bit yeah. prior to that. And, and Watchmen and Frank and, Miller. And Watchmen and Dark Knight Returns, but so... The first issue of Dark Knight Returns and the first issue of Watchmen was almost like hitting puberty for comics, you know. It was like, not just because of of, of boobs, uh, but but no, <laughs> they weren't I mean, just for like, kids anymore. Was, come to find out later on, as I got older, you know, Mouse came out in '86, and and all these really great comics that my mother, who was going through a born again Christian phase at the time, uh, hated. So I had to hide them. Uh, in the, yeah, I hid them in a uh, shed in the yard, and the only person who knew it was back there was my dad. And nice. he would read that them makes it even better when they're forbidden fruit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. and I think X Factor and. Well, I mean, I, it, going along with the the, the number eighty six, that, that was when I first started actually really buying comic books from a local newsstand. Although, again, it wasn't my. I guess origin story when it comes to comic books. I comic books were always around. I'm like Mikey Wood. I had an older brother who comic books was his life. Uh, and he was 10 years my senior, so like I had a lot of comic books around me, but they weren't mine. Uh they were all kind of like the leftovers that he didn't kind of want anymore. So I had a lot of Star Wars. That's why I have a really soft spot for all of the Marvel Star Wars books cuz that was what I had. I had those. I had Archie's. I actually had some Superboys and those detective comics from the early 60s, late 50s, where Batman would fight, like, space aliens like every other issue. And it, it was kind of weird. But he didn't want them anymore, so he gave them to my dad. And, and I ended up getting them. Oh. And, and so I, I read a lot of that stuff growing up. And I started picking up Spider-Man around 86 because I, you know, it was started off with a black costume. And then I was picking up you know, issues here and there. And I continued to do that well into the late 80s where I'd get like one out of 10 issues of Amazing Spider-Man. But it wasn't until Eric Larson with Amazing Spider-Man 330. It's a cover with Amazing Spider-Man and the Punisher. And there's like bullet holes behind them. I think it's, is that Eric Larson? Mm, it is Eric Larson. He has those triangle lips on the Punisher, which I never understood. <laughs> but that was the issue. I was just like, I'm just getting all of these. Like, I'm going to collect Amazing Spider-Man from here on out. And so I didn't miss an issue after that. All right. Well, yeah. let's fast forward to a moment that I think a lot of comic fans are going to have in common. Was there ever a time or a moment where you became disillusioned or stopped buying comics? Uh, Andy, since you went last time, why don't you go first this time? Oh, yeah. It was like the mid-90s. I, like, I think uh, my cousin J.A. and a lot of other folks of my ilk... 96 was an awful year. I was buying, like, I don't know, five issues of, of Spider-Man just to get a story. And I was just like, why am I wasting my money on this drivel? I don't care about any of these. Yeah, and the stories weren't great. It was the whole Peter Parker no more and Spider-Man, Spider-Man all the time. It and, was uh, that. There was carnage. Um, Onslaught, which was terrible. The only book that I was looking forward to on a regular basis was Mike Allward's Madman. And even that became hit or miss because around issue 11, he just decided to take a hiatus and he didn't make any issues for a couple of years. So even my like mm -hmm. island where I could escape to and say, these are good comics, it just kind of disappeared. And about the same time that I got a girlfriend and it was either like, you know, fill up my gas tank and take her out and potentially, you know, get a smooch or buy a comic book. I, well, you know. I'm a hormonal teenager. I'd rather have the smooch, honestly. <laughs> all right, Jay, what about you? Did you ever have a time when you uh, took all your books and sold them in and made out like a bandit? Yes, and I've told this story many times where I arbitraged my entire Valiant collection 
about a month before the entire market collapsed in the late 90s, so I was very happy with that. The reason why was mostly because I was going to college and I didn't have a lot of money, so you know, disposable income was going towards girls and books and beer rather than comic <laughs> books. Um, I wish I could be flippant and say that it, it all changed for me is when they went from a dollar to a dollar twenty-five. Oh, that was rough. I do remember it being quite a, a, a seismic change. I was like, my God, I can't get five comic books anymore. I can only get four. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody had to cut a book all at the same time. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I remember slightly when they were 75 cents. But primarily, most of my comics were, again, a dollar. So I was very used to that. It was a very round number. Mikey, do you re- you remember the 75-cent days? Oh, yeah. I yeah. remember, th- I want to say 35. They- my goodness. 30- no. They, I, for sure, 75. For sure, oh. 75 cents was when I was owning them. Because uh, my grandmother would um, give me money to go down to AJ's Market on the corner. And uh, no longer there, but the storefront is still there in Roselle Park, New Jersey. And I would go down there and I would buy her a pack of Raleigh cigarettes. And I would use the change to buy a comic book because that was I, that's what I was allowed to do. So, like, yeah, they would give a 10, 11, 12-year-old kid a pack of cigarettes and a comic book. Yeah, I was just It was a small town store, so they also knew who I was and who my grandma was and all that other stuff. But, yeah, yeah, I mean, I lucked out because other than when my mother was going through the Jesus thing, they were just happy that I was reading stuff. <laughs> like they were, they were happy that I was reading, and it led me to other things. Like, it led me to start, you know, to tr- at least – try to read Tarzan and try to like at those young age, those are heavy, you know, kind of heavy for me. What you, what the time I kind of fell out of love with mainstream comics was like, like you, I went off to college in 1991 and that was the time that the image thing exploded and all those books get, you know, spawn and all that. And I, and I'm sorry, Chad, please don't get mad at me, but all those, <laughs> all those books came out and everybody was crazy about them. And I just didn't get it. They didn't jive with me. And, and and people who never read comics before were starting to read comics and 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 I had the wrong reaction. I was like, I hated it. Like because they were referring to the artwork inside as graphics, and that used to drive me crazy. Like, these guys would be like, Oh my god, the graphics are great. And I would you even though they're technically correct, okay, you're right, it is a graphic medium. So and and all I did was really read Vertigo stuff, and I guess I got snobby, but for a while there I was reading like five comics a month, maybe like Sandman and Hellblazer. And I didn't really get back into it until the first time I went to the Pittsburgh Comic-Con and like the first issue of Powers had come out. Oh, yeah. And uh, I had a really, really great experience there. A really great experience with with Brian Michael Bendis, who was super friendly and super cool. And and and, and I got I got this exposure to new things and I saw what was kind of so I started buying more than just the Vertigo books regularly for the first time since Nightfall and things like that so wow uh, on a regular basis I mean I've gone back and I've picked up back issues and, and shit that I missed because I had fallen out of love with it or whatever right or that's take, what it's all take. about though it's yeah. the life of a comic reader they're gonna be ebbs and flows it's funny you brought up that show uh talking to Bendis when Powers came out I still have my autographed copy of Powers mm-hmm. Number One from him and Mike Von Oming from that uh, show. Yeah, that, that was the show I was giving him grief about Ultimate Spider-Man and how about his <laughs> his version of the Green Goblin was stupid. Oh, I and hate he talked it. to me. It must have been for like a half an hour. We're going back and forth. He could have been more gracious with this jerko kid. Always a blast, that guy. Yeah. Man. But no, and, yeah. I, and I have a story about falling out of comics. It's basically the same as everybody else, you know, where it's money gets tight uh, as a, an older teenager. You know, you're getting ready to go off to college, coming out of high school, that sort of thing. And like you discover girls and that uh, that takes priority. And yeah. so that happened to me. And it wasn't for me. I didn't get back in until I was working at Barnes and Noble and the graphic novel mm-hmm. trend started to pick up. And part of that was Bendis. And I started reading his new Avengers to see what that was all about. And there were probably two or three trades out at the time, Daredevil and all that other stuff. And then before I do it, I was a, a weekly warrior. Yeah. Well, it, it's curious that that's, that's our story. Like, again, that's actually the traditional story for a couple decades in comic books. That's why it was looked at as a kid's medium. Because a lot of folks read comics between the ages of 8 and 16, fell out about the same time we all did. But for some reason, comic books pulled a lot of us back in the 2000s for other generations they fell out of comic books and and really never went back uh so it's curious like this this was a different generation that like was able to pull people back in well this is probably a different conversation altogether but like my dad fun guy love my dad great great dude 
I don't remember him playing video games without me. <laughs> I don't remember my dad having a toy collection. Like, my dad was a grown-up who does grown-up things and, like, got tools. And I feel like our generation was the first generation where the kids just stayed at the kids' table. <laughs> you know what I mean? And the products became more and more aimed at us as we were growing older. So now when we were in our 20s, you know, we had more comics aimed at 20-year-old yeah. kids or toys. Like, oh, look at these high-end, highly articulated things or these McFarlane statue figures. Yeah, also the, 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 the comic book publishing industry changed. I mean, now they put out trades and omnibuses and, and they've got all these different ways that you can consume comic books uh, as opposed to just buying single issues. So I think that also plays into our burgeoning consumer class where we have disposable income to spend on things. But maybe, you know, like me, I don't buy single issues. I buy omnibuses because yeah. why go cheap when you can go omni? Because you're, you're Scrooge McDuck and you have a vault of money somewhere. I don't, I don't know what you're doing. All right. Well, we're getting into some really heavy topics here more. on the last comic shop. But we got to get to this commercial break because we got to get to our review of Day Tripper. Yes, it's coming up right after these commercial breaks. So stay tuned. Hello, friends. Do you like the 80s and Transformers? We are the Autopod Decepticast, and we started our podcast doing a minute-by-minute breakdown of the 1986 classic animated feature, Transformers the Movie. We've since moved on to an episode-by-episode review of the G1 series and just started Season 3. We have over 180 episodes, so if you're just discovering our show, there's plenty of gold to stuff into your ears. And it is very funny and fantastic. I'm not biased... We are on every podcast aggregator you could possibly stomach. Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, and our web presence is autopoddecepticast.com. We are at apoddecast on Twitter and all of the things. Autopod Decepticast, friends, for all your animated Transformer needs. Bye, bye. We are back, and we are now ready to talk about the issue at hand. What we are discussing this week is Day Tripper by Fabio Moon and Gabriel Ba. Chad, I just told you who did it, but if somebody wants to buy this book, where can they find it? Who made it? All okay. that good stuff. So I can add that there was colors from Dave Stewart, lettering from Sean Cannot, and this was originally published circa 2010. Uh, it was a 10-issue series out of Vertigo Comics. And Mike, you uh, you know a little bit about uh, Ba and Moon? Yeah, I'm a big fan. They're brothers. They're twin brothers, actually. Uh, the first time I ever ran into their artwork was in a free comic book day issue featuring Umbrella Academy, actually. And oh, it yeah, just that's like they're worth the, a bit of money now. Right, yes, which I have three of them, which is really cool. But I was taken <laughs> by it, like a really good Doom Patrol book, you know. And um, that brought me to Day Tripper. They're from Brazil. And that influence is, is, is in the book a lot more than I realized because after doing some research on it that I, I didn't realize how steeped in Brazilian uh, culture it actually is. So when you read about that kind of stuff, it adds an extra layer to a book that's already very layered and very beautiful. should mention right. that this won the Eisner. So it's Eisner award winning. Oh, what Eisner did it win? It won Best Limited Series in 2011. And best single issue at the Harveys and favorite new comic book at the Eagle Awards. A very, very prestigious book, like we traditionally do on the last comic shop, the 10 cent synopsis of said book is the life story of this guy named Braz. I think that's how you pronounce it. That's how I pronounced it, Braz, like Brazil. And uh, he's, uh, he's a second generation writer. His father was a writer. He's a writer. And uh, it kind of tells the story of his life from being a child all the way to an old man, kind of out of order at times. Uh, and every issue ends with him dying. So I, I'm going to give my uh, interpretation of the death because I think that's a good place to start because it's a very it's a very important hook, I feel, in this book it sets it apart from a lot of other stories i feel is this notion of dying at the end i'm a big doctor who fan so all of those deaths are actually like alternate universes where that's where the story could have ended like that could have happened and as a result like the rest of the story couldn't continue and maybe those were places where like the life could have stopped and you wouldn't have got the complete story because that happened and whatever but luckily you get the next issue and it didn't happen. 
So by the end of the issue, the last story, that's actually how the story ends. Like, that's the true ending. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you actually read the issue that happens before it, uh, not to give too much away, but spoilers, in the last issue, uh, he's diagnosed with cancer, uh, He's and he decides to not get any treatment and just live his life and, and just pass away peacefully and accept death. Issue previous to that is him lying in a bed, hooked up to a lot of stuff. And I feel like that's the part of the story where he could have made the choice to fight it or whatever. And you can see, like, his life was not as good or, or as 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 great as it should have been in the end. But Chad, I think, has a completely different take on this entire book. Right, Chad? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's metaphors, yo. No! So, yeah. I, that's one of the things I love about this book is each issue is a standalone issue. And basically the way that I'm reading it is they are almost like a snake shedding its skin. They're important moments in his life where everything changes. So the first book opens up. He's uh, 32. He's at his dad's party where his dad's being recognized on his birthday. And he's a little bitter about that. And he's at this bar and a robbery happens. And then he goes back in time. He's 21 years old. He's uh, traveling uh, with his friend and meets a woman named Olinde. And then he gets swept out to sea. Then the next issue... They break up, and he's all sad and depressed, and he visits the artist who sees all of his Lolas, all these women slept with or whatever, you know, and he's all mopey, and then he goes to the bakery, and he finds the woman that he uh, falls in love with her instantly. And then she leaves, and he runs out on the street to catch her, and he gets hit by a truck. The next one, his father dies, uh, and his son is born. Huge life-changing moment. The other one, he's 11 years old, and he gets a smooch from a second or third cousin, and from that moment... He stopped buying comic books because all that stuff has changed. There's the one where he's uh, the flight gets crashed and he's worried his friends on that flight. And so he starts writing these really beautiful obituaries that gets himself noticed. So he gets killed on a car crash there. And then the other one, he's on his book tour, whatever he goes to Rio and he, he seeks out his friend and his friend murders him yeah. and kills himself. Murder, suicide. Right. Yes. Man, if, if you're, you're close to someone and, and that stuff happens, like... It they does. turn out to be wacky homicidal maniacs. Yeah, <laughs> it does wreck you. And, and Jay, this is a good spot for you to give your disclaimer. Parts of this book do deal with suicide and suicide prevention. So if you are in need of help or know someone who is in crisis, you can dial 988. That is the suicide prevention hotline where you can find people who can talk you through what you or your friend or relation is going through and get help there you go thank you jay for that and then the the next one he's 47 he's away on a book tour and then all of a sudden at the end they mention about how he passed away from a last minute brain surgery now like that's that's the moment in your life where you're like oh crap i'm working too much i need to stop doing this i don't want to be away from my see that was the saddest issue for me i have travel anxiety and my biggest part about having travel anxiety is like leaving my kids and then dying somewhere thousands of miles away i wouldn't care but my kids my kids dad was supposed to come home yeah. and he didn't oh man that was brutal for me yeah go on but no the, the there's the dream issue and issue number nine where he's going through all these different moments in his life that he's lived he's in the bed he's hooked up to all this stuff and i don't think it's the fact that he's lived a bad life i think he's lived a wonderful life i think his love has been filled with joy and pain and heartache and moments of celebration and all those things there's been successes there's been failures it's a life worth living and a, a wife a life well lived and then you get to that last issue and uh, i have to confess i was I was reading this at work in my off period, and uh, oh my god, he finds the letter that his dad had written him the day that his father died and his son was born, and so his dad never got to deliver it, he didn't know this was there, and oh, it's all about, you know, fathers and sons and how, you know, your life, it, it's a new thing now, your life doesn't matter as much as it's going to be in the backseat. I'm sitting at my desk just bawling my eyes out reading and, this and, and it was his son gave it to him, say, I found this because we've moved into your grandfather's yeah. house, right? The whole your dad's house. Thing. Yeah. And oh, I, yeah, yeah. I was, I was bawling yeah. my face off and a kid walked in and he's like, <laughs> Mr. Smith, is everything okay? I was like, yeah, I'm just reading. Just reading. <laughs> I don't know if that encouraged him to read or is going to deter him from reading forever. But oh. All right. So you got two different takes on yeah. this. You got a metaphorical take and then me with my wibbly wobbly 
alternate universes. Because again, I originally took Chad's position, right? Because Chad read it before me and like, so I went into it and I was like, okay, this is like metaphorical moments. And some of them made sense, like the hit by a truck. But then there's the one where he's a kid and he gets electrocuted. And I'm just like, what is that supposed to be metaphorical about? Like you, you got electrocuted and then like people are crying that he's dead. In the right. morning, girls in the evening. That has nothing girls to do with it. His sister's bawling. No, 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 no. All right, you two. We'll yeah. start off with Mikey Wood. He hasn't said yeah. much. Mikey, what do you think about the deaths? So I think it's sort of a con. I don't know how I would say it's 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 almost like a combination of your two thoughts. I don't know if it's like alternate universes or anything like that. But I th- even if he didn't die at the end of every episode, it would be a wonderful story about a guy's life from beginning to end. He's living under his father's shadow, who was a great you know a published novelist, and 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 you know and he wants to be a novelist, and he ends up writing obituaries, and he hates it, and then he learns to love it, and then it creates this book, and then he goes on the book. And it's a beautiful story, but at at the end of every issue, he meets his maker. And for me, when I was reading it, it was almost one of those moments where if you go back in your life and you look back at key moments of your existence, what would have happened had that been the end of it? If I, if I had met, you know, Cheryl, as I did meet Cheryl at, at, at the elbow room in, in Pittsburgh and walked out and got hit by a Pat bus, that's my life lived. What is it up to that point? What is it? So, so the metaphor thing is really smart because it is like being hit by a bus when you fall in love with somebody. It is like being, I, I just see it as, as, as those things, like what would happen if that was the last moment that we had on earth? If this is with this last guy's, did he die happy? Did he die loved? Did he die satisfied? Did he die? I, I'm getting a little deep here but it does make me think you know i am currently 49 and a half years old i am three months older than my father ever lived to um my father died at 49 and it's bonkers it's a weird feeling to know that i am older than my dad was yeah and and so reading this book and especially like you said that father issue you have kids or if you had a dad that you were like my dad and i we were one of those cantankerous relationships where we didn't realize how much we loved each other until there wasn't any time left. And that it makes me think about what would have happened had my father suddenly not had cancer and suddenly survived. And, and, and I know that he would have called my daughter red because of her red hair. I know that I know he would have, <laughs> and I know all of these other things. I know that he would have gone fishing with Cheryl's dad. If Cheryl's father hadn't passed away when he did. And th- and this book makes you think about that. And it makes it for me, that's what it's about. It's about this person in this existence. And, and had that been the last thing he experienced, would it be a satisfying book? You know, so or, 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 so or like a you know, it's a way to bring meaning to life, right? You can't have life without death, and I think right. that's sort of what they're he's playing on with every it's issue. A- is I look at it sort of like a poem or a Russian novel. It's it's very lyrical. It's you know, it's we're going through a spell, and then you're going to die, and then you come back, and we'll go through another part of life, but. You can't appreciate what you've just read. You can't appreciate that part of your life if you don't have a, a death or, or something to make it meaningful, I guess. Yeah, I think yeah. of The Office of all things. When Andy Bernard, I think it was in the season finale or close to it, he's like, I wish there was a way to know you're living in the good times while you're living them. Right, yeah. yeah it, it's it's sort of, I mean, if we're, if we're going to go television, it's why the last episode of the last season or everything about Lost is horrible. <laughs> 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 well, the other question I had is this is also a book that's kind of told a little bit out of order. And I, I wanted to get everybody's take on that. I honestly thought it was a little bit distracting at times, just at times. There were some parts where I got why it was taught out of order. I, I, again, I, I, I think personally the, the, the issue about him being a kid seems kind of out of order. I would have liked that earlier in the story, not to say the first issue. I don't need like an origin story per se, but I felt like it being like sandwiched right in the middle. I, I, again, I had a really hard time with that issue. I think of all the issues, I, I think I had the hardest time with that because he was young and it tells this yeah. beautiful story about him going, him going to his grandmother's house. And then it tells a story. He has an older sister, which you don't meet in any of the other stories. I don't think. And then like, Everybody is mourning this kid's dying because he yeah. touches a power line when he was chasing a kite. And so, like, I was just like, whoa, wait a second here. 
it's about how precious life is and about how quickly it can be gone. Also, I think it's like the, the choices you make about your life. You notice most of the time he dies, it's it's random and it's it has nothing to do with the choice. He hasn't made oh, – I, I guess he's made a choice like he turned around and he ran back to see – you know his eventual wife and 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 things, but there's a randomness about the deaths. It's it's not like okay, I chose to get on this airplane and then the airplane goes down. It's it the the kite just happened to fall on a power line and he went to grab the kite. It's it's, it's well, no, there's a there's a randomness element to it, but I think as far as the story structure is concerned, it's very important to go back to the issue before. The issue before is when his father dies and his son is born, and as a dad. One of the most difficult things for me to accept is that my kids are their own people and they're creating their own memories and they're having their own moments. Like I remember this stuff from whenever I was nine, 10 years old. I remember the, you know, girlfriends and uh, friends that I had along the way. And like my son, my daughter, they are having those moments. And like as a dad, sometimes it's hard to think of them outside of anything as, oh, that's my son. Oh, that's my daughter. And then you get this story of him at 11 years old where, like, he was the kid making his own memories. He was the kid making his own connections. And it was, may have been the first time that he's out of the shadow of his his family or, you know, mom or dad's decisions. And he's making a choice on his own and, and something's hitting him like a bolt of lightning. Uh, reaching out and touching that power line. But there's, yeah. a, there's a randomness to it, but it's him trying to figure out, like... That like his son's gonna be his own person too, and make his own choices and smooch his own cousins, and ah, yeah. that was weird. But you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. So well, so like okay, th- this is gonna seem really stupid and philosophical and, and 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 me waxing poetic, but but think about things this way, right? So other than the sun, Proxima Centauri is the closest star to the Earth, and it is forty billion kilometers away 40 billion right so it's i will four, trust you on this right it's like four and a quarter light years away so proxima centauri can die and we won't know that it's gone for another four and a quarter years it won't disappear from the sky for another four years so yeah, we have science so, and stuff wouldn't there be any well, clues yeah well you think those so, satellites, oh, it the, takes the, four years for us to get any information from the right, star right but, no, so but the, i mean elon fellas, musk is up there shooting satellites for rich people but, he's not gonna notice well, but, let him finish his thought yeah, all right all right the, all right the, i'm the sorry, philosophy sorry. being well the philosophy being the reason why i mentioned that is because you want to think about so all of the other stars out there there may be stars out there that have been long 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 dead and we have no idea and we have no clue. So do you live your life in a manner like one of those stars? Do you live your life in a manner where people remember your light long after you're gone? And this this book makes me think about those kind of things. So at the end of all of these things, if you think about how many of those people and in that storyline, it is about his life primarily, but he always interacts with somebody in, a, in, a, in an important manner in each one of those things. Either he learns something, I mean, generally it's him learning something for... I think really at the core of it, the book is about how precious life is and how some of the mundane kind of crap will not seem so mundane. Going to visit your grandma is sometimes like one of the most mundane things in the world. But if you died at the end of it, that day being your last day is a beautiful day. Like, you know, I don't know. That's well, one thing we've got to go to is our commercial break. We will be right back with more of uh, our discussion of Day Tripper as well as our ratings. So stay tuned for that. When you're done listening to this podcast, check out mine. My name is Dave and I'm the host of Beer in Front. My podcast is just enjoying the beer that's in front of you. Sometimes we forget about a classic beer while we focus on the new trendy thing. What I try to do each week is to enjoy an old school classic or have a beer that has potential to be a classic. I'll also talk about events of the day. I'll add my spin to things. And each week, there are people that really annoy me, and I'll call them out as the jag-off of the week. That's Beer in Front, available wherever you listen to podcasts. What if you could live with your favorite fictional characters and have a place to connect with the best nerdy neighbors and creators out there? Join us on your friendly neighborhood comic show. Every week, we keep hope, give help, and share comics with all. With games, interviews, and more, this isn't your average talk show. It's a living neighborhood. We are honored to be your CBC Comic Book Community Award-nominated nerdy neighborhood. 
So what are you waiting for? Come join the fun and join the neighborhood. It's your friendly neighborhood comic show every Sunday at 1 p.m. Eastern on YouTube. We're back with more of The Last Comic Shop, and it is now time for our ratings, where, again, we're not going to tell you what our favorite Beatles song is. That was earlier in the show. We are going to tell you what we thought of Day Tripper in terms of a one out of four scale, which J.A. is nice enough to give us. Is it going to be one out of four Beatles, given the Day Tripper reference we've been going on? I don't know. J.A., what do you got for us? No, but that is a good pool there. I was going – so this was recommended – by Chad in an earlier show where we did the many deaths of Lila Starr because the books have some similarities though not completely I think the many deaths of Lila Starr is much more um, whimsical the, the this one has a lot less whimsy involved so in that book we had a one out of four deaths so this book is about life and death so we're going to go one out of four lives <laughs> well speaking though Teacher, is that what you do? Okay. We could do one out of four lives. I had one life. I had two lives. Lives. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Okay. I guess that's true. Uh, yes. I was going to let him slide, but you, you got it, Mikey. <laughs> Before we get away from deaths, I do want to ask the one question because we didn't talk about it in the previous segment. There's a lot of violent deaths in this book. In fact, every issue ends with one. What was the one that upset you the most? And it could just be because it was violent. It could be upsetting. I mean, I think Chad was like the last one was really upsetting or something because it made him cry. But I don't want to put words in his mouth. Chad, what was the most upsetting death? Oh, man. So that one made me cry just because of the relationships. For me, it's the kid standing up in front of his class, reading the letter from his dad who went on a trip and would always send home letters and his dad didn't come home. And oh, yeah. The like, the, like I, I'm one of those people, man. You can do whatever you want to me, but like when something affects my kids, yeah, I, I, oh, I don't have the heart for it. And so that was the most gut wrenching for me. Yes, that was. I, I said it earlier in the show that uh, for me too. I, but but the second one, I think they were back to back. Was oh my gosh when his former roommate best friend yeah. murders uh, the, the murder the suicide that oh that was my God. that was the one that came out of straight out of left field I wasn't ready for that I was like where how are they gonna die on yeah. this one and then I thought maybe you get struck by lightning because they're in the desert or or they're gonna die from carbon monoxide poisoning because they're cooking in a unregulated campfire inside a, a lean to I just yeah I I wasn't ready for the the murder suicide goriness the guy robbing the bar yeah, the maybe robbery, that's not yeah. so good i don't know i you can't pick your family guy yeah boom. yeah you can't All pick right. your family I, boom but I, I don't know the murder suicide it was like wow that was i guess that you you weren't ready for the first death and then you kind of got ready for a death at the end of every issue so this was like straight out of left field so i think it, it you were like oh okay well now i have no idea how they're gonna die because i've gotten used to like okay i got hit by a car or touched an electrical line but yeah was not ready for not my pack. friends making terrible decisions and that's gonna kill me <laughs> All right, Mikey, yeah. your ch- what was your? Well, honestly, it's the same. It was going to be the same one, but um, you know, you almost actually feel sort of bad for the roommate in a way too. Like he's he's screwed up. That's a, a rough issue altogether. It's a, it's it's a gut punch. But um, that one or like when he was a little boy. Like when he was a little boy, that's hard to see because it's it's just sad because it's a little boy and you think about okay, all of the the places he could have gone from there. Um, I, I know when I first read it, it took me a second to kind of figure out the trope going on. And I, at first I was like, am I seeing different people all with the same name? And is that what we're doing? Are we seeing until I realized, no, this is the same kid. You know, it took me an issue or two, I don't, to be honest with you. Um, and the numbers, I, right? I didn't get the numbers at first. And then like, by the, oh, that's his age. Right, yeah. that's his age, right. Yeah, I mean, I think this is a really great, comic to give to someone who doesn't read comics this is one of those i think that's all right well let, let's but go we're not there yet. Yeah, the sorry. rest of your rating mikey that was a good start so it's a comic you would give people that don't read comic books but what's your over how many yeah. lives are you given this oh well it's a four man it's like a, it's absolutely four I, there's no i mean there's no question it, it deserves every single accolade that it got it's just a beautiful piece of work but they tend to tie themselves those brothers to beautiful pieces of work like they both they both worked on casanova and casanova's awesome anytime their name is attached to something it's beautiful yeah so it's uh dimensionally transcendental 
I thought you were describing your mom. <laughs> oh! I'm sorry. Um, How many lives are you giving this, J.A.? I am going to give it a four. It's four lives. Uh, Chad is obviously going for the award this year of best books because he's already got two. Um, this <laughs> Probably all four of us are going to give it four. I want to give a shout out to Smokey and Miho. That's the musical group I was listening to while I was reading this. Uh, for those who don't know, uh, that that group is Miho Hattori from Chibomato and oh. Smokey Hormel, the guitarist. And they put out two EPs of samba music. So I was Get listening out. to so samba kind of, music. I love Chibomato. They're three. I have. They only had three, right? But they're fabulous. They're so yes, good. Three albums. Oh yeah. my god! So okay. uh, it's great. I think it, I don't. I can't imagine reading it as single issues and having to wait a month. It oh, yeah. really works well as a graphic novel. And my recommendation sort of follows along those lines too. So when we get to recommendations, also going to recommend a graphic novel that's sort of about life. And uh, you know, I'm the indie master. I love independent comic books, and this is right on that sweet spot. So I mean, this is DC Vertigo, but it's not really DC. It's no. artsy DC. All right, Jay. The big question. If you're on your own desert island, you can only take one. Are you taking Day Tripper or the Many Deaths of Lila Star? I still would stay with the Many Deaths of Lila Star. It's just, <gasps> it's it's more whimsical, you know. It's it's more fun. I re-listened to that show before we recorded this, which you can find. Our shows are all evergreen. <laughs> Whenever I say that, I feel like I'm Ethan. <laughs> Smash that I, like uh, and subscribe button. Yes. <laughs> smash that like smash it don't leave any pieces i am um, completely broken we never really mentioned that that book is set in india i think that was sort of like a giant context clue that we probably should have led the show with we never talked about this so the whole idea that there are multiple gods and, and deaths and reincarnation a big thing in india mm. never mentioned in that show <laughs> lost over the readers knew the right. yeah i said something about the untouchables or whatever like yeah i mean whatever it's fine i'm gonna go next uh, I'm going to give this what I call a soft four. Uh, this is a soft four. <laughs> no, I, That's when he says his wife, too. Ah, oh, um, the reason why I'm saying this is a soft four is because we're giving out way too many fours. Right, like we give out way too many fours on the show. Out. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> if you deserve them, give it to them. It is not them. as good as Mr. Miracle. It is not. We were we reviewed Mr. Miracle earlier this, and that is like a super four. This it is, is absolutely like, a like, good I should give that a six. This is a four. This is a solid book. I agree with everything that Mikey Wood said in terms of this is a book that you should give folks that really aren't into comic books. That's actually why my wife loves this comic book. She does. I tried to get around to today's show. I was going over every issue with her. I'm like, what do you mean by the deaths? And she was like, oh, it's the wibbly wobbly thing from Doctor Who. So, ha, the Larsons agree. But it's not, I'm not being like completely like, oh, yeah, it means like these are alternate timelines or whatever. I'm just saying the story could have ended there. But that wasn't the death. There was a story that happened later. And then yeah. like the story continued or that's how it was supposed to end. Right. That's the way I looked at it. I don't know if we yet. talked enough about the art too. my goodness to go from issues where people are getting stabbed. That issue where he's he's lying in bed and it's a dream. Oh my goodness, yeah. the visuals in that, where he goes into the kitchen and just keeps on filling up with water. I don't know, the art is gorgeous, but it's still a soft four. I've read better fours. <laughs> That's all I can say. We have to have like a, 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 a can we can we rank our fours on some show? Oh. Yeah. That, that's so now, is this like the closest to a 3.95 that you can get as a four? Oh, a five. You know, I was going to say this is a 3.9999999999 infinitum, but no, I mean, it's a four still. Chad. Oh, boy. Yeah, no, I, I love this. This is one of those books that I, I do like to recommend to people that may or may not be comic book fans. And Andy was bringing up the art. I know later on stuff like Casanova, like uh, the Umbrella Academy. I see uh, Moon and Bob both, uh, they become more Mike Mignola-esque in my mind. They get closer and closer to that. I actually prefer the, the cartooning they do here. Like, just the character work, and to have a character 
that you're exploring in all these different phases of their life. Yeah. It's just super impressive. And you have the, the generational things with, you know, the fathers and the sons and like, it, it's, it's a masterful stuff. A four is a four. I, I'm happy to call this a four along with Mr. Miracle. And this has been a really good year as far as like, we're, we've been gone over some of my favorite books and I count this amongst them. So yeah, four. There you go. And we're running out of time on this week's show, so with recommendations, we're going to keep it to two sentences. Yeah, these are other books that you can pick up in addition to Day Tripper at your local comic book shop, but you got two sentences to explain your book. So, like, who it is and why you should get it, and that's it. We'll start off with Chad. Chad, your recommendation in about two sentences, give or take. What if Omnibus Volume 2... Just because we're talking about what could have happened if this went that way, what could have happened if this went that way, you get all that plus a big fat bald guy telling you this is the time where we explore what if. It's lots of fun. Any of the what ifs are good, but they have those two omnibuses. And some of my favorite ones are in that second half. So what if volume two? Oh, there you go. My recommendation uh, is a collection of uh, Flash Gordon uh, daily strips done by Dan Barry. It was put out by Titan Books. And the first volume is called City of Ice. And uh, you should just read them because Flash Gordon's awesome. And there was other people other than Alex Raymond and uh, Jeff Parker and Doc Shaner that did really good Flash Gordon. And uh, Dan Barry was one of them. And so the art is gorgeous, and uh, yeah, Titan Books puts out really nice collections of those Flash Gordon strips. Mm-hmm. Jerry, I am recommending The Best We Could Do, an illustrated memoir by T. Bui, and this came out in 2017. It was a national bestseller. It was up for the uh, National Book Critics Circle Award and a bunch of other awards. It is the story of a woman adjusting to being a first-time mother. And while she does that, her family were Vietnamese and escaped Vietnam at the end of the Vietnam War and came to the United States. So you're dealing with sort of a family's journey from Vietnam to the U.S. and, and adjusting to life in the U.S. while she's adjusting to motherhood. Just beautifully well told and illustrated very very similar in the vein of um day tripper you know talking about life and 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 stuff like that it's been called a book that will break your heart and heal it all right mikey you're last i've been on this show so many times i think i probably already recommended this but so be it if so it's a great book cages by dave mckean it is a wonderful story about a guy who moves into an apartment building and the interesting people and situations therein, and uh, he learns about life and existence, and it's wonderful. And it is a Dave McKean, I believe. So I think he did absolutely. I know he wrote it, and Drew. I think he did everything. Gorgeous. There you go. That's one of those giant oversized editions. Yeah, they were they big were big issues when they came out. They were they were they, it did come out as floppies. But they were really hard to find. Um, and then they finally put it out in a lovely hardcover. And I think it's out in a softcover, too. So they're really good. Like, how how big are we talking? Like, uh, uh, bigger than a, a, like around a treasury, maybe a little bigger. Oh, maybe, wow. Right? Yeah, Jeez. or it's or like an absolute edition kind of size like that. That Okay. Yeah. I, was, I was just curious because I've heard so much about this. But, like, I yeah. guess I should be looking at a different section of the comic book shop because they're going to be huge. In yeah, any case, what something else that's huge is our listenership for the last comic shop. Not a lot of it is or not. I was just transitioning the fact that we hope that it continues to grow by making you a subscriber. If you haven't already done that, go out to www.lastcomicshoppodcast.com and subscribe and rate and review and do all those nice things that we hope that you do to support our show. And uh, if you want any of your books bagged and boarded and put in boxes, you can also go out to bcwsupplies.com. We've got a link to that on our website where you can use promo code LCSPOD to get 10% off your order. And we hope you do. Buy lots of comic books, put them in bags, go out there, get more stuff, use the promo code LCSPOD, get another 10% off, rinse, repeat, uh, ad nauseum. There you go. Get your boxes, get your frames to hang your books on the wall. Yeah. Get all the stuff to protect. Maybe you have that, that issue one of Day Tripper and you want to put it in a clamshell and put it up on your wall. That would be nice. 
This is one of those books that after reading the trade, I went back and bought the single issues. Oh, there you go. Are you yeah, going to put see? screws in a clamshell? No, mine are in boxes somewhere <laughs> in a TARDIS. <laughs> I don't know where they are currently. Right. But if you want to know where things are, you can always find us on the socials. Uh, we are at Last Comic Shop on the Twitter, the Insta, the Hive, if that's still around, uh, all around. And if you're confused by that, you can always go back to home base at our website, which is www.lastcomicshoppodcast.com, where they can find what else, J.A.? We have a link to our merch store where you can always find T-shirts, tote bags, mugs, everything Last Comic Shop related that we've put out there in merchandise. So if you're going to die, be hit by a truck or killed by your best friend who is on a murder-suicide pact. At least do it in a last comic shop t-shirt. And, and yeah, and let's hope well, not. Well, we don't need that kind of publicity. Just get a mug and carry that around. There yes. you go. Um, and while we are the last comic shop podcast, we hope to be the last comic shop podcast you need. We don't want to actually be the last comic shop. So we encourage everybody to get out there to a shop near you where you can find things that we talked about today, including uh, Ba and Moon's wonderful day tripper. <laughs> Including the What If Omnibus Volume 2, including Cages by Dave McKeon. That's available in hardcover and softcover and single issues. And then Flash Gordon by Dan Barry, not Dave Barry, the guy that writes the columns, uh, <laughs> the newspaper columns in Miami. He did it for like 50 years. I know that. that guy's been writing those columns no, forever. No, no, Dan Barry did the Flash Gordon strip for like 50 years. He did. Okay, yeah. okay. Or you could look for The Best We Could Do by Tiba Wee, which is the best I could do with that pronunciation. <laughs> uh, we're trying, kids. We're doing our best. All right. And we hope to continue to do our best next week. I hope you come back for it. Until then, I was the host of The Most, Andy Larson. I was joined by Chad Smith, Jay Scott, and the wonderful Mikey oh. Wood. And we hope that you stay safe, stay out of trouble, and remember that the best comic books are always about screws, bolts, and nuts. Because you're guaranteed to get a book that's riveting. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, okay, see, that, that is how I die. That is how this issue ends. Yes. <laughs> I just died a little bit inside. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Shop was a 2023 Black Anders production.